Flicks, a podcast where we review movies and decide if they're worthy to beam out into outer space for a lonely astronaut many light years <laughs> sure away. Yep. Probably not light years. Let's say a light, a light. month away. <laughs> uh, and a light right light now, right now we are going through our top movies of 2018. Yes. Um, so it's a foregone conclusion that these are all movies, uh, this episode and the next few we'll be recording. They are all worthy of beaming out to space. We've already determined it. Yep. We've, we've all killer, no filler. We have decided right. to cut out all the stuff that's not worthy of beaming into space. And we had those conversations, but you don't have to listen to those. <laughs> that's right. So today we're going to be talking about Upgrade. Yes. Starring, who's it starring, Adam? Wait, Logan Marshall Green? Logan Marshall Green. All right. Directed Nailed by it. Lee Whannell. Whannell. I feel like it's Whannell. Whannell. Sure. Lee Whannell, who directed, what else did he direct? Saw? He wrote Saw. He wrote Saw. That's and I, right. I believe he directed it too. Hold on, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Let's figure this out. Yeah. He wrote and directed Saw. Okay, so he wrote and directed Saw, which I don't think either of us has seen. Is that correct? You haven't correct. seen never it, Correct. Right? Sorry, he's just the writer of Saw. Didn't direct it. Um, but yes, he's the writer of Saw. I've never seen Saw. I don't typically get too excited about uh, movies that are in the horror genre. Especially no, like mo- I mean, like a Jordan Peele horror movie, sure. But Saw was at least marketed as like a gruesome, right. sort of borderline torture porn type. Uh, horror movie, which right. I'm not into. Yep. Uh, so I guess we both. Well, were you at least aware that Saw was well regarded? I knew that within sort of like the realm of horror, yeah, it was considered to be sort of a pretty sort of pivotal film, sort of, sort of yeah. innovative. Yeah, I think it's like a one scene kind of movie, like or, one or room, one setting rather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so it's the guy who did that. Has he done anything since Saw? Um, it's between he, Saw and this? Uh, as far as his writing credits, he's got a number of writing credits. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, lots of different things. Anything with, we've seen. Within the um, uh, the horror genre, uh, as well as some other very not horror things. So you've got Insidious, right? Okay. Um, you've got a movie called The Mule, not the Clint Eastwood. <laughs> not the Clint Eastwood one. Movie. Okay. Um, uh, you've got more in the sort of the insidious and saw family tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get to upgrade in 2018. All right. So this is definitely a, a pivot for him um, or a shift from at least what people. It's not straight. It's not straight horror. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess. So thinking about our expectations going in, neither of us had seen saw, but we had both seen the trailer for this movie. Yes. And I feel like we were both kind of pumped for it. Like, we just both thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah. Um, in particular, I think in the trailer, they include the kitchen fight scene, some scenes from it. Yes. Where he's like, oh, oh, okay. Or he, it's, uh, what's it called? Stem, like, asks for his permission to take over, and he gives it yeah. permission, and then he just starts beating the crap out of a guy. Yeah, and so, like, should we just quickly sort of talk through, like, the basics of this movie as far as, like, what it is? Oh, sure. So the premise of the movie is a guy... I'm just going to sort of recount what I recall the trailer being. Yep. Uh, That there's a guy who gets into... It's, like, the sort of ambiguous future. Yep. Um, The near future. A guy gets into an accident and becomes paralyzed... And then a scientist basically comes to him and says, oh, I have technology that Mm -hmm. can make you walk again. Mm -hmm. And it's a little chip that we put in you and it's going to be able to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the guy agrees to it and the chip lets him walk and it kind of talks to him and it's kind of like his assistant or whatever. And then, and again, I'm just sort of trying to vaguely recall my, what I remember from the trailer. And then at some point you realize, oh, he's getting into some kind of trouble He's in a fight with a guy and the chip asks for his permission to just take over his bodily functions, like take over his body. Yes. And he gives it permission. And suddenly he's like, the you know, Neo from the Matrix. Yep. And so that's that's kind of the premise of the movie, I think, from the marketing. Yeah. How it was sold. I mean, and that is 
also what the movie is. <laughs> right. And with a title like Upgrade, the basic implication is this guy has a kind of sidekick robot brain that mm-hmm. he can turn off and on to basically make himself a superhuman in ways, you know? Yeah. And so um, the trailer that you called out, I think, features a pivotal moment from the film, which I think absolutely sells the movie, which is a sequ- that sequence where he's in sort of his first fight mm-hmm. and is watching in horror as he, and sort of awe. As he, as his body. As his body does things that he didn't fathom it could do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, that trailer was the thing that sold sold me and set my expectations. So that's, that's how the movie sold. And that's totally what the movie is. It's not like it was, it was not like it was, uh, you know, false advertising. Right. Um, I don't know if they covered it in the trailer or not, but what the reason he is so motivated and he ends up getting into these fights is that he's trying to avenge the the death of his wife. Yes. Um, which happens super early in the movie. So it's not, uh, if, if that's a spoiler, it's not a very big one. Right. It's kind of John Wick, the dog dies-esque <laughs> in terms of uh, motivation and, um, you know, how it basically sets the character, sets up the plot of the whole rest of the movie. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, so I guess up, up top, like we're obviously talking about it in the context of it's one of our favorite movies of 2018. So I guess we... We know we both liked it, but what were sort of your initial thoughts coming out of the movie? Coming out of the movie, um, just that uh, it was it was both exactly what I thought it would be, um, but done better in almost every way than I expected it to be. Yeah, um, same. Because it was it was sort of a trashy sci-fi, oh, totally yeah. fight. You know, just fight fights and guns movie. Right. But it was just so much cooler than I expected. Yeah, but just like just so uh perfectly executed and conceived. Um it was it was clever but not not attempting to be too clever, mm-hmm. right? Uh had a nice little sort of closed loop logic to the entire thing. Just a perfect little like sugar pill, right? Um yeah. and so in that reg- I I think the high that I left on walking out of that theater was just sort of like, what a, this movie knows exactly what it is. It knows exactly what it's trying to be. It does everything that it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's over 90 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, what more could you ask for? I mean, I, nothing, you know, <laughs> like nothing, take my money. I want yeah. 10 more movies just like it. And it's, it's a really, I think comparing it, there's definitely parts of it that kind of have arguably the Superman problem. Like you compare it to, you know, Captain Marvel, which we just saw or Alita, which we just saw where you have these protagonists who, when they fight their opponents, you're like, I don't believe that this is a fair, like I believe that you are easily going to win this fight and it kind of removes a lot of the tension. But in this movie, you have that on a physical level. Like he's clearly overpowering when he enables the chip but mm-hmm. there is still tension in that he's totally giving up all control to the chip. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's tension in, in like, is he safe to be activating this mode? Right. right? He's kind of putting, he's going to win, his body is going to win the fight, mm-hmm. but is he going to be okay? Right. You kind of like, I think the movie plants seeds from pretty early or maybe just cause it's that kind of movie. You kind of know, like, this isn't going to be consequence free for him. Right. You know, giving the chip full control over his body. Yes. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it really, it's like, it's entertaining to watch these fights where he's just being a a total badass, but but still it's not like without stakes or without any kind of anxiety. I mean, and ultimately he's still just a human. So it's like if somebody stabs him or shoots him, it's over. Right. And so it's like, he, he's not, immortal right he's highly physically talented but there's also the movie also i think does a really good job of playing through the various permutations of like the ways in which he is both connected to and then the way in which his brain and his body are connected and sometimes separated Mm -hmm. right because there are sequences where like he can't get at that talent right and his body is uh sort of paralyzed literally paralyzed Mm -hmm. right 
Um, and I, th- and I feel like the movie just does a great job of kind of methodically working through like, what if we took the body away mm-hmm. for a scene? What would he do? Yep. What if he was in a, what if like the bot, what if his physical skills as a, a fighter couldn't help him in a car, right? Yeah. Like they yeah. do various versions of the thing to like make it interesting. And it's not just like he gets into another fight and yeah. wins. And they also are something I forgot until now is that another source of tension they add in addition to sort of the uh, sort of struggle between him and the chip that he's giving authority to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the fact that I think they there's also the angle that they introduce fairly early that this this thing can also be remotely interacted with by its creator. Right? Yes. So that's also a concern because he has like an arrangement with the person who the, the, inventor, the scientist yeah. who gave him this chip and he's not supposed to do certain things, but right. sometimes he breaks the rules. Yeah. And as the audience, you're like, oh, if the guy finds out, he can just shut the chip down. Right. Or, you know, just it's sort of like the equivalent of low jack, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like somebody can send a signal and disable the car at any moment. Right. Yep. And yep. he is sort of playing. He's it's all borrowed time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like almost literally, and so um, I just think, yeah, they there's enough sort of ways that this arrangement can go wrong that um, the the movie just is able to sustain its tension the entire time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we've, I think, we're kind of like getting into. There's, I don't think this is well. I don't personally think this is the most rich thematically uh movie i think it's mostly an action movie yeah but what would you say are if anything are the main themes or just even single theme of the movie well i think there i mean it it has to be something about the um the uh, there's a clear juxtaposition between like you controlling your life and technology controlling your life. These Mm -hmm. are like the choices. I mean, in the very beginning, right, one of the clear examples of this before any of the major sort of conflict starts happening in the movie, um, the entire world in the world of this film is pretty bought in on the idea of like, let the machines do it for you, Mm -hmm. right? And he, his character, Gray, is He's an old-fashioned guy. He's a mechanic, right? He fixes up old cars and likes to drive them and like almost explicitly says things like I would never want a car to drive me. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah. um, and so that has to be like number one, a theme for me is just sort of this trick, this, uh, tension between humans wanting to do things sort of the, sort of the old fashioned way, mm-hmm. the traditional way and the allure of letting the machine do it. it's so much easier to just let the machine do it yeah for you yeah. right and there are there's peril in there that and that's i think something the film very clearly is exploring yep i agree i think that's the main thing i mean there might be some other uh there might be some other messages woven through the movie but i think that's by far the main one yeah um it's pretty pretty spelled out um so all right that's the theme yeah how much how much power are we handing over to the machines? Yeah, and I think that which sort of, has never been explored before. It's right, right. But it also dovetails very nicely to me with sort of the very specific ambitions of this movie. The movie's not overstuffed, right? No, no, he's nice not and trying clean. to do too yeah. many things. Like later, we'll talk at another point. We'll talk about "Sorry to Bother You," right? Right. And that's a movie that is like stuffed to the brim <laughs> with just ideas in a great way, right? Yeah. Um, and I think some might, you know, find that to be a little bit frustrating because it doesn't necessarily follow all these ideas to some sort of logical end or some sort of like articulation of a thesis, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think this movie's like, no, we're going to talk about this one thing. This is the one thing we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, uh, you know, I think of some people are kind of the dreamers full of ideas, but never executing. Mm-hmm. And then this movie is much more on the other extreme end. It's like, it's got one idea Mm -hmm. and then it's just going to be all about execution. Right. right, Of that one idea, but really good execution. Yep. Um, Which is its own, you know, both, both sides of that spectrum bring, bring joy in their own ways for me when it comes to art. Um, Real quickly touching on box office. I don't really know the box office numbers of this movie off the top of my head, Um, but I think it's worth just 
remarking on the studio that uh, released it, or I should say the distributor. I don't know what Blumhouse is. They're a studio. They're a studio, yeah. Um, but this was uh, this movie is BH Tilt, which is like a sub sub studio of theirs. Anyway, okay. this this movie was basically ultimately it was made by Blumhouse, which is a studio known for really tiny budget movies. Yeah, and they make uh, crazy profits because they make movies for like five million dollars, and then those movies make, you know, twenty or forty or eighty million dollars. Right, and they just keep doing that. So, um, I can't even imagine. <laughs> you know, what their kind of profit margins are at the end of each year because they seem to have at least one big hit every year. Yeah. Um, like they did Get Out, for example. Right, just make a bunch of cheap <clears throat> bets during the course mm-hmm. of the year and enough of them will hit Yeah, that you'll be fine. So I don't think this movie was a huge hit. It was no Get Out. It was no um, Split, I think was another movie Blumhouse made. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, it was, I'm sure it had a, a super low budget. I think we looked at it later. It was like four million or something like that to make this movie. Or maybe I wish less. I could find it, but it, no, nah, it's not a it's not a big deal. I think I just bring it up because putting aside what the box office was, I think it had an opening weekend of like ten million dollars or something like that, which mm-hmm. was already more than its budget. Um, but uh, but what we both were talking about, I remember after coming out of this movie, was how it looked. Mm-hmm. Like the budget was a lot higher. Yeah, the, for the sure. special effects were really good. Um, they just whatever they did, they knew how to use that money. Yeah, it was a very a highly efficient <laughs> use of five million dollars. It looks like. Yeah, and and I I guess this movie is particularly notable to me because Blumhouse, um, you know, they've had some really successful movies, but they're kind of known for the way they keep costs super low. Is they minimize the kinds of things they put in their movies that would generally cost a lot of money. Like they tend to make movies that don't have a lot of locations and don't have a ton of special effects and things like that. But this movie has some pretty, pretty elaborate sets I feel. And, um, Mm -hmm. and just some really solid special effects. So it kind of, it kind of goes, Oh, oh, breaks the mold. I think as far as these low budget Blumhouse movies. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, I mean, they I, don't they don't spend on actors, right? None none of the actors. That's true. In, although coming into this, I totally thought it was Tom Hardy. So they, <laughs> so they they were successful at picking. And I, I'm not. I know I'm not the only person who thought that. I've heard like other people thought this movie starred Tom Hardy. Right. Um. I mean, who knows how deliberate that was? But it it sort of feels to me like they almost tricked audiences into thinking they had a bigger actor than they had. Well, I mean, I feel like there's. Just, I mean, Logan Marshall Green is also like a. He's not like an A list actor or anything, but he's, he's also been in. Big he's been movies. in lots of stuff. He's and in he's, Prometheus. Yeah, he's not a movie star. He's not <clears throat> no. a name that households know. Basically, right. Nor is Tom Hardy, frankly. But he's bigger. <laughs> he's yeah, bigger but than be, Logan Marshall be, I feel like Tom Hardy's at least at the level of like, oh, that guy. Right, like people know this this particular actor. I feel like most people wouldn't be like, "Oh yeah, I've seen him in things." They'd yeah. be like, "Oh okay." Right? Yeah, like it's funny on just speaking of Tom Hardy that this later in the same year Venom came out, uh-huh. which I didn't see. Yeah, and I I don't I don't imagine it was anything special, but I heard people who saw both of these movies say that basically like. They already made a movie with a Tom Hardy looking guy <laughs> who lets another creature take over his body and then he's super powerful. Right. Uh, but it was called Upgrade and it was way better. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I mean, they definitely um, thread the needle properly on this movie. As far Yeah, as I mean, like, I would just love, I would almost love to see like a behind the scenes kind of thing of how they did all these special effects on the shoestring budget, you know, because yeah. they look great. There's like, futuristic cars there's there's like all this all these robotics in his home that yep. you know like that automate his day-to-day you know life and i mean i'm sure a lot of it was just like puppeteering and stuff basically right but just still it just all looked crazy and and the and the scientist has like a crazy modern hyper technological house sort of like minority report kind of stuff going on yeah Yeah. making it underground was smart because then they didn't need like an outdoor shot of like 
the amazing house. Right. right <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. like, no, go into the ground. It's and a then hole we'll have in a the ground that there. you yeah. walk into. Yep. Um, but anyway, yeah. Anyway, I think I've made my point. It yep. looks great. Yep. It looks like it cost a lot more than it did. Um, anything else to say about money? No. Uh, I, you know, I think that Blumhouse has cracked a code that other, I would like for other studios to follow, which is like, there are lots of people out there who just want to make a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't need $200 million to make that movie. They need yeah. five, right? Well, I think, yeah, we've like talked before like how, about how constraints, I think, breed creativity. Yes. And it's like if you have a person who's an artist and maybe really skilled and they want $50 million to, to make something happen mm-hmm. and you're just like, I'll give you five, mm-hmm. you know, that that tends to, a person might in, initially have the reaction like, well, that's clearly not enough for me to do what I need. But if you're just like, what could you do with five? Mm-hmm. The the gear, you know, the gears yeah. start turning and people start figuring stuff out. Yeah, I mean, um, I've seen too many examples of constraints producing elevated and improved work mm-hmm. to think that they can't be used constructively in that way. Like Kieslowski, I remember explicitly said that when he was making the Three Colors trilogy, he was mm-hmm. like, I, he's like, in the various things that I've made for Polish television and other things, like. I had very clear budgets and rules about what I could and couldn't say. Even there were mm-hmm. censorship things in place. Right. And he was like, and so I had to come up with more creative ways to say the thing that I was trying to say. Right. Yeah. Like, so not even just budgetary, like but forced like, subtlety. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, he, and, you know, or like um, uh, the five obstructions. You ever seen the five obstructions? No. It's a Lars von Trier and Jurgen Leth okay. collaboration. But basically, von Trier gives Leth. Right, five limitations yeah, yeah. on how he can make this film, and every limitation that he adds, it just gets more interesting, right? Yeah. Um, and so, at any rate, like, yeah, five million, five million dollars, great. I think you're gonna get tons of good stuff if well, studio. Lee Winnell knew what to do with it. That's for sure. Yeah. If if more studios were had the stomach for it, I think like you'd I get think more. Marvel's next movie, they should give the Russo brothers five million dollars. <laughs> It'd be like, you can't have any of your stars. Right. <laughs> and also no special effects. Now try I mean, to make an Avengers movie. You know, I don't think that any of the Marvel movies have been made on the cheap. But like, for example, like a significant portion of the original Iron Man is just dude in a cave. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, that was back before Marvel Studios had billions of dollars to spend. Right. right? That it's was just, a Hail Mary pass for them, which is crazy to think now. Yeah. Given how much of a complete home run it was. But, right. Um. But it was. I mean, I know I just mixed sports. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they started with the Hail Mary hey, and ended somebody, up with a home run. If, if, right. If somebody <laughs> had thrown, <laughs> that would be an amazing sports moment. If, some, if like a quarterback like opens up and just fires like a 90-yard pass into the end zone and there's like a baseball player <laughs> standing there with a bat. I'm just imagining like a completely delirious player, you know, like, yeah. th- like thinking he's throwing a Hail Mary and then yeah. just like, you know, kind of like the world around him is swirling and suddenly he's like a batter and he hit a home run and he's like, what's happening? <laughs> um, the literalization of all the mixed yeah, sports metaphors yeah. that we use. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we should move along. I don't remember the next segment. I think it might be rich man, poor man. Is that the next segment? Sure. Let's do that. So this has got to be a rich man something. I mean, we just I just kind of gave one. Which Venom, is ironic yeah. because of the when I say the rich man's when yes. we were just talking about how this was actually the much lower budget movie, but and I haven't seen Venom, so I shouldn't pick on it. But yeah, I think this is probably just a much better version of what that movie was trying to do, yeah. based on my kind of what I've heard. Yeah, I mean this has re- this has relationships to lots of movies. I mean, like there's an argument to be ra- made that it's related to RoboCop, mm-hmm. right? Um, Ratatouille. <laughs> i'm just thinking you know main characters being controlled by another uh-huh entity yes that so is there a, you go that's a very loose <laughs> connection 
Is it um, a rich man's ratatouille? Yeah. But <laughs> I would say if you really want something, if your child really loved ratatouille and you want them to see another movie, yeah, if they the love ratatouille, thing, take them to see Upgrade. Upgrade is right in that same same lane. But seriously, there are there's got to be plenty of other movies with that premise, right? Not this specific premise, but the idea of the main characters being controlled by someone. Yeah, there's. I think there are cousins of this idea where you're like reliant upon technology in ways mm-hmm. that you don't love. Um, so, like, I'm thinking of something like Minority Report, right, where they sort mm-hmm. of like rely upon this sort of pseudo mystical technological connection, mm-hmm. right, to like stop crime, <clears throat> and it's like this is. The cure is worse than the disease, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's sort of the, the like the verdict at the end of that movie, right? Um, yeah, sure. I I probably won't be able to come up with enough of them, but I feel like there are a lot. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's 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 hard to call it a poor man's version of anything, but I I would say just in the sense that it's a a futuristic action movie. I mean, it's got. It's and it's and it involves a lot of kind of like martial arts esque hand to hand combat. I would say you could think of it as kind of a poor man's matrix in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously much smaller scale, much like lower production value. Yeah, and he's very neo like when he enables the chip. Yep. Um, and the matrix is also about the technology taking over. Yeah. I feel like there are movies like Lucy, like limitless. These are all mm. movies where it's like technology mumbo jumbo. And now you're <laughs> super, and now you're super. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, it's really a poor man's version of a lot of big budget sci-fi and just in, in the very literal sense that we were talking about earlier of it doesn't have, you know, these massive it's, I think it, it's got, it's really lean. It uses really, it uses its special effects really effectively yeah. and efficiently. Um, but it doesn't have a lot of them compared to, you know, a movie that cost a hundred million dollars. Yeah. So it's kind of a poor man's like, like not poor man's in a bad way. Poor man's more like the economical. Budget. Yeah. Right, like, yeah. like uh stingy man's. <laughs> right. Well, and I think this is, this is, I think in some ways why we like it so much is because it out punches its weight. Right. Oh, for sure. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, it is doing the job that other movies have tried to do. And it's doing it probably better than a lot of those movies have found themselves capable. And it's mm-hmm. doing it for way less right. dollars right. than those other yeah. movies required. Yeah. Way fewer dollars than those other movies required. And so that I think is like the 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 needle that this movie has threaded. It's like, how about a better movie for less money? Mm-hmm. And it's a better movie than all these like uh, other there are other movies in this genre. There are other movies in this world in this type of yeah. Uh, you know, theme and we're just going to do it better. Right. Yeah. But, you know, back to back to um, what we were saying earlier about execution and about constraints. I think uh, one thing I will say about this movie is uh, let's see, like they put all their focus on one thing, basically, which mm-hmm. is um, well, I kind of think of it's actually to take a step back. I think it's sort of similar to John Wick mm-hmm. in that both movies, they sort of do do everything a movie should do, at least like adequately, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of character development, plot, writing. None of them are bad, but right. but most in most of those categories, it gets like a it gets like an average, you right. know. And then it just me- it just moves the slider all the way to the top on like action. Yes. So it's like this movie has a fine plot and right. script, and the acting is is fine, right? And the action is awesome, right? Right. Um, and I think some of that is a function of the constraints. Like if you can't do all of those things amazingly, then what are you going to focus on, right? Yep. And so the reason I bring all that up is thinking of this being like a poor man's version of some other movies, like. It explores man's relationship to technology, but you know it's not that nuanced. The acting's not that exceptional. The script right. is like a little, uh, you know, the script is a little like uh, cumbersome at times, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I think there's, I think 
there's definitely other movies with much bigger budgets that could afford better actors and right. better screenwriters and et cetera, right? Right. That that explore those themes a lot more effectively. But this movie's like, well, but I had five million dollars. What do you want? Yeah, I also feel like this is one of those things where it's like, maybe, <clears throat> maybe those movies are out there. But I we've been sitting here trying to think of comparison points, and I was like, I can't tell you a better movie even though other movies might have had bigger budgets and might have had better stars or like more <coughs> famous stars mm-hmm. and might have had more A-list, at least on paper, writers, right? But it's like, but did any of those movies <laughs> actually get made? Did any of those movies actually like, oh yeah, are, when you put an A-list director with an A-list actor and uh, an A-list writer, you got a better movie. It's like Venom happened, right? Like that movie happened. All right, Blade Runner 2049. That movie's not better than this one. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're being ridiculous right now. Um, I mean, they're not really about the same thing. But, but no. like this movie, what this movie is about is in Blade Runner 2049, but that's not like the whole it's thing. A, it's a Blade Runner 2049. I'm specifically thinking about just, you know, like his relationship with the tech lady right mm-hmm. the hologram lady yeah is 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 sort of touches on some similar themes of our relationship to technology but anyway apparently you don't even agree with the with my opinion that that's a better movie so we don't need to rack our brains trying to think of better movies i believe that better ones have been made exploring that topic but you know it's a fair point i can't name one off the top of my head yep um okay uh what about best part of the movie? I'm I don't you know it's funny it's been some time since we've seen Kitchen it and fight I, scene and I haven't rewatched it, but uh, I think the the sequence that I actually felt the most tension mm-hmm. uh, and the most like exhilaration when it was sort of resolving favorably for the protagonist was the sequence after Stem has been deactivated. And he has to basically drag himself, yeah. army crawl style, through um, like an apartment, an apartment, building. like a condemned apartment complex to meet a hacker, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that hacker has to like somehow, possibly the most hand wavy part of the movie, yeah, net, network somehow into his body, yeah, and open a briefcase and, and be like, all right, let me just turn hack through here, real turn quick, turn the chip back on somehow, right? Yeah. Which is actually his undoing, right? Because the um, this hacker, it turns out, yeah, the is, chip is convincing him to give it like super admin access. There are right? safeguards Override. in place that yep. prevent the chip from taking over <clears throat> entirely, and mm-hmm. he's like, just break those, break yep. those safeguards, right? I think actually, I do think that's a pretty brilliant construct, the way that's all set up, because you know, it's like it's like the chip has won his trust, yeah, but. It'd be kind of what we were talking about earlier. There's this other person who controls the chip, yeah. right? That can shut it down. And the chip has won his trust to the point where it's like, you have to let me override him, right? right. But it will also mean I can override you, but you trust me, right? Right. And uh, yeah, I, I agree that that whole sequence works really well for basically on two levels, at least two levels, right? Because you're like, oh, I hope he, I hope he, is able to achieve this before the, you know, the bad guys get him. Right. But also I hope he's not making a huge mistake. Right. Um, right. But of course he is making a huge mistake. Yeah. But in the moment you don't know this, right? So you're in, not, yeah, you're not sure. And in you the suspect. moment, I believe <clears throat> the when his body gets reactivated, I believe this is the sequence in the film where the camera starts doing backflips with him. Right. I think it does that throughout. Well, there's like a seat where he's doing like handsprings and the mm. camera mm. revolves and keeps like basically his head at the top of the frame, mm-hmm. like as he's doing handsprings backwards. Uh-huh. And it's just like there, it's one of those little nuanced things that the movie does that just make it look different and look like, yeah. you know, a movie many times more expensive. You know, I than heard it. the director talking about how he did that and it doesn't make sense to me. What'd he do? He said that. It was like an iPhone that they had like fixed to him so that when he moved, it just like moved with him perfectly. But 
So I'm like, so did he have a pole attached to him that they removed in post? I guess. Maybe. That's what it sounds like. But thinking of like some of the fight scenes and stuff where that was happening, I'm like, did he really have a pole Mm -hmm. sticking off? It just seems like that would have really gotten in the way. Right. But anyway, well, you wonder if maybe said. the actor also was on a harness or something like. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, whatever they did, there had to have been some post processing done, right? But, um, but it's a really cool effect. Well, just the, I mean, so they shot. So there are shots in this movie that were shot on an iPhone. I believe so. I believe so. God, I yeah, I love. I mean, this is so exciting to me, right? <laughs> like, just the fact that, like, you know, for example, okay, so a movie that I think looks great, upgrade, right, has scenes that were or at least shots that were shot on iphones which would otherwise be prohibitively expensive yeah right well i mean Um, you just straight up couldn't do some of those things with like a big camera right right? and then i'm thinking about a movie like have you seen high flying bird Mm -mm. on netflix so that's this new steven soderbergh movie okay right shot exclusively on an iphone right soderbergh looks good (laughs) and it looks good right and it just sort of like this to me is so exciting because it means that like more and more, a budget of $5 million might actually, oh yeah, you can make something that looks great and you can put all your energy into, let's, instead of spending all our budget on the camera setup, yeah. right? Let's spend all our budget on fight choreography and mm-hmm. special effects. Breaking and, dishes. Yeah, let's and let's break some effing dishes <laughs> over some mother effing heads, right? Like, um, and so, I, I don't know, I just find like, that sequence was really good in of itself before I knew a thing about the camera work. Mm-hmm. And now that you're saying that to me, it just makes me like it even more. Well, you might want to fact check me. I'm just, I'm, I'm going no, off this is, memory. No, this is fact <laughs> now. We are going with this. But yeah, no, it was definitely something like that because I, I think it was, uh, I can't remember, maybe I listened to a director's cut with him, although it doesn't seem like he would have been on director's cut. So maybe it was something else. Mm-hmm. But anyway. They do a lot of movies on there. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so that was your best part of the movie. Yeah, what about yours? Uh, I'm still probably thinking kitchen fight scene, uh, which is in the trailer. Um, although we talked uh, a little while about that, and I told you that I sort of have some misgivings about the way that scene ends. Yeah. Basically, the the fatality at the end yeah. is uh, is like a little too gruesome for me. But I mean... When I think about it, it's like this is the guy who made Saw. What do I expect? Right. Uh, I think I. I think I told you this already, but just to kind of repeat myself, I feel like it was gratuitous, and it was the way he kills the guy at the end of that scene. Sort of didn't fit for me with the the feel of the rest of the scene because, um, well, I guess it was basically like the chip was enabling him to dispatch this threat yeah. in a really effective way. And so I just thought it sh- it made sense that he killed him right? because the chip would have just been like, you need to eliminate this threat. But it didn't make sense that he would have killed him like that because it was kind of like a sadistic way. Right. You know, to... Well, is there an argument to be made? I mean, you said like, well, maybe it just, was just the fastest way to kill him, which is like, maybe. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is the, is there an argument to be made that STEM is sadistic? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, now that the movie is over and I've seen the whole thing, right? you can sort of make more of an argument that, no, like, STEM is, like, psychotic, you know? Right. But I guess, like, in... And maybe that was supposed to be foreshadowing or something. I right. don't really think so, though. I think, I think in the context of the scene you're supposed to think of STEM a certain way that it's just really efficient and really, you know, totally effective. Yeah. And I've, I feel like the kill is just for like thrills. Yeah. I get that you're hung up on this for this reason, <laughs> but I feel like I can, I sort of basically totally accept some combination of like, yeah. uh, STEM is, STEM is evil. Mm-hmm. And this is like the first glimpse you get of that. But, um, you know, Logan Marshall Green's character, because he's, so exhilarated to be like up and walking and like in fact like thriving physically Mm -hmm. he kind of just looks the other way which is sort of like the exact point of the movie right like Mm -hmm. that he just sort of looks away as long as he can sort of conveniently do so Mm -hmm. and then when it becomes like 
oh, I really should take a stand against this evil machine. It's like, it's too late by yeah, that point, yeah. right? The machine has already hacked your spine. <laughs> or you let a hacker hack the machine that hacked your spine, right? Or something. You know what else was a really good scene, I think? At least I remember it really fondly, was um, the scene in the bar where he he goes in. Does he go in in his wheelchair? Yes. I think he does. Yes. And he kind of lets them, you know, rough him up a little bit. Yeah. To get some information. But then he activates STEM. And in the bathroom. In the bathroom, right? And I think it's in that scene where he's like, you know, he's beating up a bunch of guys. And as he's beating up the, the guys, STEM is like, <laughs> STEM says something like, you might be getting a little cocky. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you can't just defeat an unlimited number of people. You know, like he says something like, you know, not those words. Yeah. But like as he's beating people up, you yeah, know, it's like it's like I I have limits, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I re- I remember really liking that because he's just like whatever I'm gonna you know you're gonna let me you're right. gonna make me kill all these guys, and and you know as the audience you're watching and kind of like you said earlier like he's still human if he gets shot or something right then he'll die and like stem stem can like use his body to its absolute maximum potential. But if there were like 12 guys with knives trying to kill him, right. probably his body, even to its max potential, is not capable of taking all that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that scene was kind of like, fl- I mean, I still don't think he, I don't think anybody seriously hurt him in that scene. Right. But it, but it's kind of like he's taking on a bunch of opponents. It's kind of flirting with like, are we kind of approaching the limit of what you right. can take on right when, now? When the thing that <clears throat> gives you all this power is like, whoa, 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 even <laughs> yeah. I have limits, right? Like, I like, think I got this, but, right. um, you know, let's not, let's not make it much more than this. Let's not go right? crazy. Yeah. Because the movie, too. by doing that, is also setting up a nice little sort of boundary. It's like, yeah, anything. Yeah, right. You can't like do more than this. Don't it's expect like setting more. expectations. Like, there's not gonna be a there's not gonna be a big brawl Neo right. scene from The Matrix Reloaded yeah. where he takes on fifty Agent Smiths. Right. <clears throat> um, nor should there be because that scene was stupid. Yes. Um, okay, so I think, but I think I'm still gonna stick with kitchen scene. You're gonna stick with apartment scene. I agree with you. That scene was also really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there a is there a thing that stands out for you as a fix the movie option? Um, the no, no. I mean, like there are certain parts that I remember being in the film that um were not as compelling uh, to me. So like, for example, one of the climactic battle sequences in the film is there's sort of this group of super soldiers who are chasing him throughout the movie. And they With are... hand guns. I and, forgot and about And they these. are biologically enhanced in mm-hmm. a variety of ways. They have microscopic poison darts that are in their noses or well, something. Only the one guy for sure has that. Right. right. Um, and But one of them has uh, an arm cannon, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh, was it just the one guy who had that? Oh, maybe more than one guy has it, right? But like they're loading their arms with bullets and firing. And so those moments... Him killing that guy was awesome. Mm-hmm. And so those <laughs> moments are pretty great. But I had a, I was not really emotionally connected to this big fight sequence toward mm-hmm. the end with, uh, with Gray and sort of the lead super soldier, right? Yeah. And I just didn't know why this was strictly necessary right well Um, i did i don't know it does seem like a little bit of a detour from the overall sort of plot and theme of the movie but i did like how that fight ended where he he improvises yeah well he like brings in his human uh ability to sort of emotionally manipulate the other person yes that stem that ultimately allows him to win, and then Stem is like, "Thank you, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was helpful," you know, right. <clears throat> because because he's fighting this guy who's also enhanced in exactly the same way, so Stem right. can't like defeat him in hand to hand combat, right? But I, I agree with you that fight scene felt a little. I mean, I think it was very well done, yeah. But it's maybe it's just we've seen so many movies that have advanced, you know, yeah. martial arts hand to hand. It's like it doesn't really. We're dead. I'm we're desensitized of, to yeah, it at this point. I, I feel like for I, I feel like if ever I were planning on a movie ending with the fist fight of destiny, right? Which mm-hmm. is like 
all movies end with the fist fight of destiny, like mm-hmm. mano y mano, yeah. right? Somehow all the trappings of technology and all the people who have been around us the entire film, all the weapons, right? All those things are gone. And now we're just going to have a fist fight. Yeah. Like is just sort of the, the most boring way. Yeah. It's it's also like the, the previous fights involved so much destruction. Yeah. And when, you know, when you've got a fight where he's crashing dishes and like knocking over furniture and stuff. And then other fights where he's like destroying a bathroom and, you know, stuff's breaking Mm -hmm. and these fights just cause a lot of mayhem. And then this last one is kind of like super controlled. Yeah. And it's just like, like, you know, like it's like, it feels like you've you've uh, de-escalated a little yeah. bit. Like the yeah. last fight feels like smaller than all the previous fights, right? Which is kind of what you're saying, right? When it all and this guy's supposed fight. to be like, if we're using like a video game metaphor, this is the final boss. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's like it's this- almost like if they had just caused more destruction <laughs> of yeah. some kind in the course of the fight, just to make it feel more big, right? But so are so we're we're kind of what we're kind of getting at is you could maybe. Maybe a fix the movie opportunity would just be that fight scene specifically. Yeah, or like combine it with another fight scene with like some of the other super soldiers. Or like, you know what I mean? It just felt like he's been trying to hunt down these guys Mm -hmm. who murdered his wife, right? And it's like we've been like going through level by level by level. And eventually it's like, you, you're the the final boss. I was like, this guy? Right? Like, really? I don't really, him? funny yeah. or something yeah. like and so that was sort of the piece that i was like that could probably be if if we're picking nits that would be the nick nit that i would pick does the movie explain why doesn't he sneeze the micro bots at him no because it's the fist fight of destiny mm. seems like that guy's got technology that could have easily taken they him might out. have explained it actually i feel like they probably did because yeah. i don't remember thinking it was dumb at the right. time that he didn't use it right so maybe they did explain it yeah, yeah. i don't know but typically, I feel like in these movies, it's like, do you want to use your superpower? And the guy's like, no, I'm going to take him with my fists. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, you have a clear advantage if you just used your superpower. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, I've decided to take an unnecessary yeah. risk to let possibly this person that I hate kill me. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't make any sense, but it never does in any movie. Well, Captain Marvel didn't make that mistake. Yes. Nor does Indiana Jones. Yes, that's the thing I was going to say. It's like <laughs> it was funnier when Indiana Jones did it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, sorry, that was a total tangent. So I think we're at the end. So fix the movie, maybe that one thing. Uh, yeah, that's, besides that's that. a minor point. Yeah, I don't really think there was a lot wrong otherwise. I mean, like, I think the script could have been a little uh, more polished. I think the, you know, the actors were fine. Um, I'm sure they could have, if they had, a bigger budget, they could have gotten some better yeah, talent. Yeah, if you had cast, I'm trying to think, if you could cast somebody different in that role mm. of the big bad, right? Just like, for example, I mean, not this, but like um, when you cast Philip Seymour Hoffman as the villain in Mission Impossible 3, mm-hmm. it adds a lot. Kind of elevates it, yeah. To that, to that movie, right? And it's like, if you had put... Um, like Rafe Fiennes... Right. <laughs> or like Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Sure. Right. I mean, you need Adam somebody Dr- with a lot of physicality. Adam Driver. Ooh, Adam Driver. In that Interesting. role. Yeah. Right. Would be Adam Driver's a good villain, like, period. Yeah. Yeah. If the villain were more menacing. But really, I think the I think the main actor, which, mm-hmm. you know, kind of makes sense if you're gonna get one good one. I think he did a really good job. Yep. I think the two villains, like the thug and the scientist, yeah, both were just kind of, kind of weak, kind of like a little below average, maybe. Um, I I thought that the actually I don't actually think that way about the thug. I think he did a good job. I think he did a good job. I yeah. think like, but what you need is somebody who does like an amazing. He just, yeah, job. he just didn't elevate it. Yeah, he just yeah, did yeah. a good job at the yeah. I I would role he was given. I'm not trying to knock that actor. No, it's no. more like there are some there are superstars. There are actors who elevate material just by mm-hmm. virtue of their 
of their yeah. craft and their charisma. So what we're saying is you could have made the movie better if you added those actors who make movies better that mm-hmm. they're in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> real and real sharp, razor sharp insights we yeah. have here on. And also Facebook. if you got one of those screenwriters who can really like kick things up a notch. Yeah. But I think like the, the there's a reason for that, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. just like get good actors and your movies are better, right? Like sure, we all know that, right? But it's like the I think when you're dealing with really small budget films, it's like, mm-hmm. well, some of these actors don't have to be great, right? Yeah, but what are your key roles? Some of them do. But so are you saying like, are you saying if you could have sort of uh, up-leveled any of the roles, it would have been that thug villain? Yes, that's probably the one that I would have picked. All right, I could buy that. Um, and if you did that, then you might have also given that character a little bit more screen yeah, time. Yeah, give him more right? to do. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well, all that said, I think we both really liked this movie. Yes. It was pretty sweet. It was, <laughs> for a while in 2018, uh, I kind of had a running list of like top three or something, and I was like, Annihilation upgrade <laughs> right, right. <laughs> number yeah. two best movie of the year yeah um you know some later entries i think knocked it down but it was really good i yeah it's it was definitely st- sticking around the top for a while yeah it was i th- i remember <clears throat> when we saw it it was one of those movies where it's like right now this is in the top 10 and it's like yeah. and surely you know it's some more it's, it's very likely and... that it will not stay in the top 10 all year because oh, something else will out. come along that's better but man was that was that good? And yeah, then like yeah. the year ends and we're like, yeah, not a lot was better than that. <laughs> right. Yep. Which fingers crossed. I'm hoping John Wick 3 John Wick is 3. like that this year. Oh my gosh. If they actually play the unreachable star in that movie, I think I'm just play it through the whole movie. Heart will just start, fly out of my start chest. Start to finish. Um, okay. So yeah. Uh, so I think we are deciding, right, yes, we would beam, beam this sucker up into space. We need to get like a sound effect. At the end of the episode where... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it that's needs what, to sound way cooler than that's that. That's what data sounds like going into space. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just like that. All right. Beam it uh, up. All right, so thanks for listening. I'm Adam. I'm Dan. And this has been Space Flex Upgrade! Upgrade!